as you're turning there, I want to ask you something. Did any of you come in here today with the intent of making a profit? Not like a, thus saith the Lord kind of profit, but like gain. Did any of you come in here with the, today with the aim of success? Thank you, buddy. So my question is, is if you answered that no, why not? Why didn't you come in here that way? I mean, we make decisions every day over big things, small things. We make them about what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. And we're going to... We make it about the, the life, the time, the energy, the resources given to us. And the reality is, is we are hardwired. We are hardwired to make all those decisions and use all those things for success, for our benefit, for a profit. We're hardwired to use these things not merely to break even, but, to, but for gain. So, you and I both know, before we go too much further on with that, that we as human beings don't always make the best choices in order to succeed, do we? We, have, we also, as, as you can hopefully plainly see, but I want to encourage you anyway, we also have terrible definitions of what it means to be successful. And perhaps that is why very few of you, if any of you, answered the thought that I, the question that I asked of why you came to church this morning for a profit or for success. But let me ask you a question, another question. Is the desire for success, is the desire for profit itself in and of itself wrong? Well, let me quote to you a few things and you come to your own conclusion. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Joshua 1 verse 8. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Those are all from the Bible. And this sounds like a God, like the God who we came to worship today. It sounds like He intends something more for us than just to break even spiritually. 
it sounds like he wants success spiritually for his children. Even though that may not look anything like what is the, what the world popularly understands as success. So the question we are here this morning to ask is, how does he intend for us to receive the profit he intends for us? How does he want us to have profit? Well, he gives us his word. God's word is for our profit. So let's read that word this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Would you please stand as we read? We're going to be reading... We'll be mainly focusing on verse 16, but we're going to read verses 14 through 17. Paul writing to the Apostle Timothy, writing not to Apostle Timothy, to his young mentee, Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me have a seat. God's Word is for our profit. We're continuing a four-week series today in our second week in a series called Hearing His Voice. Last week, we looked at the who of God's Word. Who is speaking? God Himself speaking? Him speaking to an audience, us, and Him speaking through us to others. And this week, as we look at verse 16 in particular, we are going to look at the what of God's Word. What is profitable about the Word of God? What does, what, and with what does it profit us? So as we look at this, before we jump in, we need to ask one question, one quick question, hopefully. Which scriptures are profitable for these things? He mentions teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. So we need to ask right off the bat, which, pro, which scriptures are profitable for these things? Well, what does the passage say? Verse 16. It says, All Scripture. And when Paul was writing this, the only Scripture that was currently in existence was what we call our Old Testament. What we have is 39 books. The New Testament had not been written yet. Even though Paul was writing this letter, which is part of our Bibles. And I, I emphasize this because there are some Christians and some professing Christians out there who hold that the Old Testament is obsolete for the Christian faith. But this passage instructs us and it teaches us that the Old Testament books which pointed toward Christ are just as necessary for us today. as are the New Testament books which reveal Jesus' name. So as, the, as a free church, we affirm that both Old and New Testaments are God's revealed word. And Paul says in verse 15 that these Old Testament scriptures are 
able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So, let me give it to you this way. If you are ever, if you have ever thought or you are told that the Old Testament is not for Christians, you are freed and required by this on the basis of Scripture to reject that. All of this book is profitable. Okay. Are you ready to profit? Number one. God's word profits us by teaching. Now this will be the longest point, but that's because the aim of scripture, whether it's teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, it's all God's teaching teaching us. God uses reproof as teaching. God uses correction to teach. God uses, God trains in righteousness through teaching. So teaching is both equal and an overarching component of all of Scripture's profitability. I mean, we are learning creatures. We're designed to be taught. And we are taught by things that are caught, as we say, and things that are explicitly given. And Scripture gives us both. So here's the question. What do the Scriptures teach, then? What do they teach? (laughs) Big answer is all sorts of things. And for the sake of our time this morning, we can't possibly cover everything. Nevertheless, it teaches us several things. I'll give you some, a few big highlights. It teaches, one, theology to us, who God is. It teaches us who God is. The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's from Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. It teaches us of who God is. The scripture also teaches who we are. In the university system, they call that anthropology, the study of man. Well, the Bible has an anthropology. It says who who man is. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. It also teaches not only who man was originally created to be, it teaches the fallout of what happened when we rejected God and who he made us to be. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But it doesn't stop there. 
It also teaches what God has done in response, what God has done to rescue his people. Romans 8, verse 3 through 4 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And Isaiah 53, verse 5 through 6 says, But he, that is God's rescue plan, that is Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is Jesus' death on the cross, which takes away our sins and provides us his righteousness. The Bible teaches us that we worship a crucified Savior, and it also teaches us that our crucified Savior has risen again, and we can experience life with him. And it teaches us how to respond to that salvation given. In the first chapter of the book of Mark, it says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39, scripture teaches, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. This is Peter's sermon about Christ. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And not only that, (laughs) the scripture teaches us that once we are saved, being made new creations, as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, scripture instructs us, we ask the question, okay, how do we live now? Scripture instructs us how to live. Ephesians 4 is a wonderful example of this. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 says this, Now I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, Gentile being a pagan, does, does not worship God, does not want to have anything to do with the God of the Bible. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ! assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." Now that's a big picture. 
There's more. But God says that all of this and everything else in this book is profitable for us. Profitable for us in teaching. So what we learn, what we read in the scriptures is not a waste of time. Some of you sit down with this book or put it on the shelf because you think it's a waste of time to read. That's a waste of time to hear. But God directly speaks to you when it says it is profitable to teach you because you need to be taught. I need to be taught. It's not given to us to leave us in a broken state that we find ourselves in. And in our broken state, we don't even get to break even. But what this word says to us is that God intends for us to greatly benefit by hearing his voice in the scriptures in what he teaches. God's word profits us by teaching. Number two, God's word profits us by reproof. Reproof. <laughs> That's a word we don't hear a lot. I don't know about you. Maybe you, you work at that kind of job. <laughs> And actually, aside from its being found in the Bible, this word doesn't square very well with what some have called our therapeutic age, where anyone having anything other than an agreeing or accepting emotional response to something said or done, if it's anything other than agreeable and acceptable, that it's thought of as a hate crime. That's, frankly, why... Reproof is so seldom used. We don't really like it. We think we don't really like it. And actually, reproof is used hypocritically by so many in our therapeutic age if you don't agree with them or if you don't agree with me. But let's ask the question, are we going to agree with God? Because if we don't, that mindset is sadly ungodly, unbiblical, and untrue to reality. So what is the reproof of Scripture? What is godly reproof, biblical reproof, and true-to-reality reproof? It's calling sin, sin. It's calling spade a spade. It's calling sin, sin. It's calling evil, evil. It's stating truth, not in a way that tends to beat people, but in a way, but, but it speaks the truth in love. And when truth is spoken, and there's a lie there, the truth will always sting because its aim is to get rid of a lie. It is a rebuke to people who are promoting or living in lies. Your translations may even say rebuking. Reproof is an exposure to what is contrary to what Scripture teaches. It's why Scripture says that if you are trusting in your own sense of goodness for security and salvation and hoping that will outweigh all the moderately bad stuff that you do, that you'll be somehow right with God. It says that if you're doing that rather than trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone, you're on the road to hell. And it says hell is a real place. And it's why Jesus called the rich man in the parable, the rich man in Lazarus, a fool. He called him a fool for laying up treasures, riches, stuff 
for himself and not being rich toward God. And God says that these and other reproofs like it are profitable. <laughs> and you, maybe some of you hearing that are like, profitable? How is that profitable? Well, let's check out, if you, you can turn there really quick, Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, consider, this is verse 3 of chapter 12 of Hebrews. It says, consider Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have not forgotten, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And I would say that word can mean sons and daughters. And he quotes scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And it goes on to say, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Terrible parents are parents who don't discipline their children. Yes, you can go too far the other way. For what son is there, as he continues in verse 7 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then he gives this chilling thing. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So if God does not reprove you at all, you should question whether you are a child of God. But when he does, he's letting you know that you are his and that he loves you. And it is for your profit, for your benefit, that his word, his voice to his children is profitable for reproof. Put it this way, you always want a doctor who will tell you that it's cancer if it really is cancer, right? Or that it's actually a blood clot if it really is a blood clot. And you should get away as fast as you possibly can from a doctor who didn't want to call cancer cancer or a blood clot a blood clot out of not wanting to offend or bother you. That kind of doctor desires your death. But a good doctor seeks your benefit and will tell you what is real. So we should praise God that God so loves us that he wants us to profit from his, his word when he calls out sin in our lives and in this world by his word. God's word is for our profit and we profit from his reproof. Number three, God's word profits us by correction. Now, there is a difference between reproof and correction. 
they're similar, they're related. Correction doesn't just call us call a spade a spade. It's designed to make an adjustment of something that's off kilter. There are many times when, frankly, well-intentioned believers do not need to be blasted by the canon of rebuke in order to see their error. Sometimes they just need someone to come alongside them with the nudge or the hand on the shoulder of correction and saying, say, you don't want to go that way. You want to go this way. And God even says that in his words. Like, you, if you listen to me, you will hear the voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Scripture is profitable for this as well. I'll give a quick example. James, in the letter of James. He gave a correction to those who may be boasting in their plans for tomorrow. Anybody ever been asked, any big plans for the weekend? Anybody ever been asked something like that? What are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? Well, here's some instruction and corrective on how to answer. James 4, verse 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time then vanishes. And here's the, here's the other part of correction, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Isn't that profitable for us? I mean, it corrects us in at least three ways. It first points out that we really can't guarantee tomorrow. And we can't guarantee that tomorrow will be like what we plan. That doesn't negate making plans, by the way. Proverbs says, submit your plans to the Lord. Number second, we need to be reminded that this life is very short in preparation for eternity. Contrary to the popular belief that is destroying people of of this day, this life is not all that there is. We were made as eternal creatures, and we have eternity on the horizon. And given that, he says, instead of saying, maybe we'll do this, or if the creek don't rise, we'll do this, how about we, ver- how about we as the people of God verbally point out the, so- the reality that God is sovereign over the creek? That God is sovereign over every minute of your tomorrow. He's sovereign over whether you'll get a tomorrow. And he's sovereign over what you'll get to do tomorrow, much less than the next few minutes. God's word profits us by correction. Fourth, God's word profits us by training. In being taught by God, he wants us to be trained, to be guided by and practice what he teaches in his word. He doesn't just want us to be the hearer that James talks about who reads the word, closes it, and is like a man who looked in the mirror and then leaves and forgets what his face was like. He says, no, I want you to be a hearer and a doer of God's word. But what he trains us in is key here. What does it say? It says, 
Profitable for training in what? Righteousness. Training in righteousness. <laughs> See, the Bible says a lot of things about a lot of things, but he does not train us how to run a combine. He does not train us how to play football. He does not train us to work on a computer, and he does not train us to get to the polls and vote on November the 3rd. There are, those are not in and of themselves righteousness. Now, God's Word does provide principles of righteousness that operate in God's universe where farming is done, where football is played, where computers are run, and where we can vote and are called to vote with wisdom and discernment. God's Word does speak to that. So as we, as we look at this, profitable for training in righteousness. It's, it's training in something specific. What's righteousness then? Righteousness according to Scripture is the rightness of God. It's who He is and it's the mark of everything that He does. Everything that He does is right. Everything that He does is good. He does not do anything that's wrong. And in fact, He is the standard of right. And when He speaks... In his word, this is our authority, the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. That, that, that wording comes from our statement of faith about this word, this word is authoritative over our lives, every area of our lives. He is the standard of right, and scripture teaches that we fall short of that righteousness as sinful human beings, short of his glory. But what does he want us to do through salvation? When he gives us his word to train in righteousness, he aims us to profit by living in such a way that reflects his true character. We read Genesis chapter 1. The original intent of humanity was to be made in God's image. And an image was set up to reflect the ruler of a particular place. It was to say, this place belongs to this person. And when it came to the world, we were the ones to say, this world, ourselves even, belong to God, not to any other. So when he gives his word to train in righteousness, he aims for us to profit and reflect his nature. But the reality is, and you know this, is that doesn't just happen for a Christian. Yes, we are, as the scripture teaches, imputed God's righteousness. It is put upon us as God takes away our sin in Christ and gives us his righteousness. But our day-to-day -day living as righteous people needs to be trained. We're, we're learning how to walk, so to speak, as new creatures in Christ. So, how is... Now that we have a definition of righteousness, how is Scripture profitable for righteousness? It tells us how to train. Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18, Training in righteousness. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Matthew 5, verse 43 through 45. Jesus said, You have heard it that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God's word is profitable to train us in righteousness. And as we do these things, we are equipped not just for short term, we are equipped for the long haul. United States military basic training called boot camp is anywhere from 7 to 13 weeks long, possibly more if there's special training. There is a reason it is not one week. After one week, would new recruits be trained? Would you trust an army that has been trained for one week? (laughs) No way! But after weeks 7 and 13, they are equipped. And they are equipped to further equip themselves and others. The Christian life is for the long haul. We are talking about training for eternity. Not just for a night of Bible trivia. And the scriptures are profitable to this end. His word profits us by training. And this training training is one of the reasons I want everyone in our church to join in the daily reading of the New Testament this fall. Beginning Sunday, September 13th. Reading the scripture, especially reading it alongside others, fellow soldiers and brothers and sisters in Christ, is part of what scripture commends to us as training in righteousness. We will not profit if we do not read it if we do not hear it. It really is profitable. God's word, his whole word is profitable. So I asked you at the beginning if you had come here today for profit, for success. And likely some or most or all of you said no. I guess nobody really said it to me, but I'll assume that you answered it in your hearts. But I also said that we are hardwired to pursue that which profits us, that which brings us success. The question is whether we are looking to the scripture for that profit, for that success, rather than the things of this world. Because the Christian life has a different outcome for profit. As an example, I want to close with considering the life and death of a missionary from the United States in the 50s, a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. God called him to serve the Akas Indians in Ecuador, a remote tribe that no one had reached with the gospel and who were known for killing every single anybody who came near. They were the ultimate exclusive club. But Jim and five other missionaries with him 
had read his Bible and had found it to be what it claimed, able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, God-breathed and profitable for making the man of God complete. And he knew from this word that others needed the same word given to them. And so he began to put it into practice. Training what he had received from the word of God. And as he grew, and as he practiced, he grew in, what he, in his training. And he eventually joined these other guys to bring the word to this extremely hostile tribe. And this is where, in the world's eyes, it would seem like an abject failure because within six days of them getting there by plane, all of them were killed by this tribe. What do we make of that? Is that gospel success? Well, let's consider that the story didn't end that way. Because two years later, his wife, Elizabeth, and their daughter, and one of the sisters of the other missionaries, went back to the same tribe. And now, most of that tribe loves the Lord Jesus. Why would they do this? Why would they go back? Why should we even possibly consider this story as maybe something that we should follow? Well, it's related to our message today. The scripture. Prophet. In fact, Jim Elliot, sometime before his death, wrote and said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The voice of God in his word is for our profit, and we are never fools to seek his profit for us. God's word is for our profit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have chosen to give your word that we might know you and in knowing you be shown grace and mercy for our benefit that is beyond compare. After all that we have done to you to try to spit in your face, Lord, you would continue and persist to pursue us for our good and not just for us breaking even, but for our profit. That we might be shining lights as children of God, blessed sons and daughters. Oh Lord, I pray that you would lift the veil on any misunderstanding or, mis or unbelief in our hearts that says we ought not to listen to your word because it is, does nothing. It is not true at all. Lord, as the Father who came to you said, if you can, and you rebuked him and said, you reproved him and said, if I can. He says, all things are possible for him who believes. And that Father replied, Lord, I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. 
and you did abundantly more than that father could have asked for. And thank you that you offer that to us as well, through Jesus, who is your word incarnate. Please help us to hear your word, not just this morning, but every day. Please help us to walk with you, hearing your voice every day. For our profit and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.